Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Chin Music, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Every failed baseball season gives us so much time, so many opportunities to ask what's wrong. I want to hear what Roy and LaBelle think was wrong with this Minnesota Twins team. Uh, again, check out TalkNorth.com for all of our shows. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows as they are released. We do recommend, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Also, thanks to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. And if you'd like to advertise with the show or the growing network, and we are growing fast, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. The show is Roy Smalley, former Twins great, current Twins announcer. Lavelle Neal, former Twins beat writer, now Star Tribune columnist, and myself, Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune, our producers, Brandon Morton, and we really do appreciate you listening. So, Roy, let's start with you. Uh, Lavelle and I have spent a lot of time at the ballpark lately talking to people and come up with our own opinions, but when you look at this team, do you say if they'd been healthy, everything had been fine, or do you think there are deeper rooted problems than just the injuries? Uh, well, I, I think uh, with the addition of the uh... – uh, the trade deadline uh, got players, uh, pitchers that they got. They they went a long way toward fixing what I thought was going to be uh, a, an issue, regardless of regardless of injuries. I think as I look forward, as I look forward to what may be happy, you know, this team next year uh, for the first time in you know how long. Uh, we can say, you know, the bullpen looks really strong relative to other contenders. The bullpen looks, you know, really strong. And we haven't been able to say that in, you know, virtually forever. And so I, I, if, if they hadn't done that, I would, I would say that there are structural problems since they've done that. I, I think that the, I, I think that the injuries played a huge, yeah, a, a deciding role in in the, the Twins not, you know, living up to what we what they had done the first two months of the season. I, I I'm not going to be too hard on them because we had uh, Buxton and Polanco's impact when they're playing in the, when they're in the lineup and playing up to their usual abilities. Uh, I, I just don't think it can be uh, overstated, and I don't think you can say, "Well, you know, every team loses guys, and you take a, you know you take the two you know main guys out of the out of the lineup, and it, and everybody else has, has to step up." <clears throat> I just don't I don't buy it. When you lose players like that for an extended period of time, then it, it's it's not going to be the same. So um, I think the injury and and the same thing happened on the uh, on the mound. Um, where they, you know, they started guys in big games against Cleveland and and others that you said, what? Wait, 
<laughs> remind me, where, who is this? So, I mean, I, I think that injuries just played the deciding, the, the deciding role. I, I don't, there's no, there's no question in my mind. I agree with you. What do you think, Lavelle? Yeah, you can't get around it. I mean, they, they didn't have their number one team on the field. And, you know, part of a team's challenge during the season is being able to improvise and overcome when you have injuries. But, you know, when the, when your backups to the backups start going down, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, just looking here, the Twins used 13 different starting pitchers this year. And they looked like they had a decent group of guys to fill in. They had... Josh Winder, they had Devin Smeltzer, they had um, they signed, they traded for Chris Paddock, you know, they, but they still had to go out on this scrap heap and pick up people like Aaron Sanchez and Chi Chi Gonzalez uh, because, you know, the backups, the backups were, were, were down. And it's hard to sustain um, a, 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 an acceptable level of play uh, when you're, when you're running low on, when you're running low on bodies. And um, there's no there's no way around it. Um, this is a, this is a good roster when it's healthy. Um, it's a division winning roster when it's healthy, and we we can't lose sight of that. There now within that, you know, there's some fundamental things: the base running, uh, you know, maybe some defensive hiccups, you know, that could be cut out. But um, this team led the American League in the players on the injured list and days lost to injury. And, you know, that is hovering over this team. And you have guys like Bailey Ober needing three months to recover from a groin strain. You have bad luck when, you know, some of it's their own fault. I mean, they should never trade for Chris Paddock given his elbow history. Um, but then you have other guys, you know, Sonny Gray pulling a hamstring three times. Um, you know, other guy, Chris Archer, you know, uh, not being able to finish the season. They have a lot of things go haywire on them. And, um, and they just never could get any traction uh, when it when it came to the to the lineup, especially after after May. Um, the last four months just seemed like the, they just weren't themselves. And I've heard a lot of uh, people say, "Well, their fundamentals were horrible." Well, you know, Carlos Correa's fundamentals weren't horrible. You have good veteran players in the field. Good, good. You know, your best players aren't going to make the fundamental mistakes we're talking about here. Carlos Correa doesn't take, you know, throw to the wrong base. He doesn't make base running mistakes. Uh, you know, so yeah, Celestino, he should be a triple A outfielder at this point in his career. And he played almost every day, uh, second half. He's going to make mistakes. He's not probably not yeah. a major league player. And if he is a major league player, he has to pr- still has a lot to prove. Uh, I, we'll come you back know, to that. I want to get to Carlos you know, Jim, Correa. can I make, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to I'd like to make one other point before we get off the structural yeah. uh, the, the structural issues. I think we're all on the same page uh, about uh, what happened this year. And I think uh, LaBelle's point is the right one. Looking forward to next year. They're, they're a pennant contending uh, club with the players that they have on this roster. The one thing that I will say, and Jim, you'll recall my saying this must have been, well, it was a minimum four years ago. Uh, I think it was after the first big year that uh, Nelson Cruz had uh, for the for the Twins, uh, his first year, and it was it was a monster. and And I, I think it was in the winter time, and we were talking you know, after the season and talking about these various things. And I said, "What worries me more than anything else about this lineup?" Uh, is uh, Nelson Cruz is going to is not going to be there at some point in time? He's I mean he's turning forty, 
Uh, he's, he, I mean, he's still remarkable, but at some point in time, he's going to be retired, or in this case, you know, somewhere else. And the huge difference, it, it was in 2019 when they hit all those home runs, uh, Nelson Cruz was the rock in, 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 in the third hole uh, in the lineup. And not everybody can hit third or fourth. The Twins have a nice lineup up and down. I've always, I've always worried about this because it made such a difference to have a stud hitting third or fourth every night. And I worried, I look at, looking at the organization in the minor leagues and other guys that needed to try and emerge, uh, I, I, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see who was going to be who was going to be able to replace Nelson Cruz, and they have not replaced Nelson Cruz. Um, and I don't. I still don't see it. I, I don't see it on the uh, uh, on the horizon. So this is going to be a lineup, you know, unless they were to get some stud over the you know to hit third in the off season, some stud outfielder or something. Uh, this is going to be a lineup where rather than four or five guys needing to hit uh, to get them where they need to go. You know, uh, they're going to need seven guys. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lineup where it's the classic uh, Tom Kelly, Ron Gardenhire, keep the, keep the line moving. Uh, let the next guy, you know, do it. What, what all that stuff. I mean, you look at contenders, uh, and they've got a stud somewhere right there, third or or fourth in the lineup, and I, I don't I don't see that. And that would be again the main thing now with the way they've improved the you know the pitching staff. I that would be the thing that I would next worry about because if Buxton goes down again, I mean he's such an impact. If if he goes down again, then you're right back in the soup in terms of day in day out uh, ability to drive in big runs. Could Miranda be that guy? You know, I, I I don't know. I think he's going to be a very, very nice hitter uh, in, in the big leagues uh, here toward the end. And it could be that he, he wore down a little bit um, toward the end of the season here. The, 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 I started noticing that guys, you know, he tends, to, he tends to chase high fastballs. And he's got to fix that. I mean, he's got to either – as James Rousen told me one time when I said, you know, these guys have to just learn that they can't hit high fastballs. They get the ball down the zone. He said, yeah, either they have to learn to look for the ball down the zone and take it upstairs, or they, or we have to figure out a way to get there. If they really want to swing at it, we, we get, we have to figure out a way to you know, get them to do it successfully, you know, you know, fix stuff so that they can hit it. So one way or the other, He's not handling high fastballs. That doesn't bother me because it, because as a hitter matures, he can learn how to just say, you know, I, it, once I see it start up there, I don't even look at it again on the way to the plate. I know it's high, I'm not going to swing at it. I mean, you could do that. But he started getting beat with fastballs down the middle. And that has me a little bit concerned. And it could be that he, you know, that he wore down a bit. It, it could be in any number of things. I think he is the type of, talent that he'll he'll figure that he'll fix that i mean i think he he doesn't have mechanics holes that would i would say yeah he can't catch up with the fastball and there's a reason why you know i mean i think he can fix that but until he is as as good on uh on upper velocity fastballs in the you know in the middle of the zone as he is 
hitting mistake sliders and and having great two strike approaches and all those things make him a, a solid hitter. Then I you know I, I just can't say I can't say for sure. I, had, I, I that worried me a little bit, just a little bit. Interesting. Uh, let's go to the news of yesterday. We we're talking here on Friday morning. I was at the ballpark on Thursday. Carlos Correa basically said, "Hey, you know the two the two options that have obviously been on the table all year are." Uh, Correa opts for one more year with the Twins or he signs a major deal elsewhere. Correa was basically saying, hey, you can sign me to a major league, a major deal here. Uh, do you think the Twins could, would, should sign Carlos Correa to a massive deal? What do you think, Lavelle? I think they should try. I think they should uh, to bring him back. Um, I, he The last two months of the season was the player that I wanted to see um, from the beginning. Um, it wasn't there. I think I kind of wrote a column during the season saying that I expected more out of him. And it, you know, right about that time he started heating up. He had a great August. He had a great September, very good September. And, um, he was doing it all defensively at the plate, coming up with some big hits, coming up in the clutch. Um, he was trying to be that guy to try to kind of keep their, their postseason hopes afloat. And if, uh, if the Twins could work it out to keep him long-term, I think uh, they should look into it. Um, the only thing is, I think this team, I sense that this front office is averse to signing guys to like lengthy, lengthy deals. I don't know if they would go more than four years with Carlos or five. Uh, I wonder if Carlos is looking for like eight, you know. Um, definitely don't want to do that for a pitcher. So um, that may be something that's kind of tricky here. But um, it's going to be up to Carlos what he he thinks he's worth, what his agent thinks he's worth, the, to see if, if it's in the Twins' wheelhouse. Um, I would take him. Um, it makes things a lot easier as far as the shortstop position for next year because then Royce Lewis can you know, come back at his own pace. You don't have to rush him. Um, if you don't have Carlos Correa coming back, if he does opt out and go elsewhere, like maybe the Cubs, then um, – hmm. <laughs> then you know you got to come up with a shortstop for next year, uh, at least until Royce is healthy and ready to uh, assume that role. Um, can you hodgepodge it with um, guys who could masquerade as a shortstop, but, but aren't really a shortstop, like Polanco and 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 Nick Gordon or or Shella maybe? Um, or you have to go out and free agent market and bring in another shortstop. So. Um, uh, it, it's a tricky situation too. And if you if you could bring in another shortstop for less if Carlos leaves, then you've got $30 million you can try to sign maybe a Justin Verlander with, you know, to see if you can get him to take 30 for three years at age 40 and see if he can uh, help you uh, push you over the top that way. Um, so, um, but I would look into it because um, I, I like the player I saw the last two months of the season. Yeah, and I like the player I saw all year and he just got, extra hot at the end. Uh, Roy, what's your view? I, yeah, I'm in uh, your camp, uh, Jim. I've, I've, I've liked him all year long. And I will make the point uh, again. And what he did the last, you know, last six weeks of the season, I think was extra special. I mean, it, it, you can't just, you know, most guys, you can't just dial it up and, and say, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't trying the first four months, but five, five months, I'm re- but I'm going to have a good, I'm just going to, it's my job to dial it up in September and be great. I mean, it's it's a situation where um, guys are going to hit what what they're going to hit. Jim, you've made this point before. His numbers are uh, finishing numbers are very very similar to what he's always you know to his to his mm-hmm. uh, average his career averages and 
in um, in all the categories. And and he was just going to do that. He's that he's a good player. He's established, and we know what he's what he's going to do. And as Puck used to say, when he'd go through a little down streets that somebody's going to pay and and people did pay he made he made them pay and he made them pay you know at a time that if the twins could have supported him it, it, we all would be looking and go man there's a guy again uh that you know that has great in september and october experience and, you know has the ability to get it done I mean, we, the, the other point that i would make about that is that when he was in his rbis are down a little bit he had second in this lineup uh, that a lineup that had a lot of trouble staying healthy and, and having guys on base in, in front of him. And in Houston, he was hitting fifth and sixth a lot. Uh, and there were, you, you hit fifth and sixth against in a lineup that, that can hit like Houston can hit. You're going to drive in a lot of runs. You're, you're going to stumble into a lot of RBIs that, uh, you don't get to, you don't you don't stumble into it uh, hitting second for this Twins team this year. So I think, and the way he played shortstop was was phenomenal. Yep. Uh, so I I'm colored a lot by how much I like the kid. I mean I I really yep. shortstop. I really like him as a guy. I like him as a hitter uh, for what he does and what and uh, I really want the Twins to bring him back. I think they're going to have a hard time. I think. Yes. I think he'd like to stay here, and I think his agent's gonna gonna talk him out of it. I, I think the agent's gonna say, "Look, you got to get, you know, if you're gonna sign with, with the Twins, you got to listen to multi-year deals. You don't want to go out in another year or two and try to do this again. This is it. Twenty-eight years old or whatever." Yeah, yeah after hitting this, well, oh, so uh, you know, I mean, as much as I think he'd like to stay here, I, I think his his agent is gonna demand of the Twins you know, Chicago Cub type money and it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, he hit, he's hitting three forty three this month with a uh nine eighty six OPS, which is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um and playing exemplary defense at short. You know, and plus it, it seems like um he and Buxton have a good relationship in that locker room, I mean clubhouse. Um from a leadership standpoint, I think he was uh, willing to assume that role. Um he seems to be well liked. Uh it, it seems like he's just a good fit. Uh, on and off the field for this club. So, and there's value to that. So hopefully it's to take that in consideration as they uh, have discussions with them during the off season. Oh, I, I know Rocco loves him and wants him back. And that says a lot Buxton. I, he, I think he was a true leader. Uh, and, you know, some people you call them. <clears throat> we've been, I've been around twins teams where they start winning and everybody kind of looks around and says, okay, let's call that guy a leader. And, and then that guy would tell you, I'm not the leader. I just kind of play hard. You know, I mean, uh, Correa is a leader. Uh, he, he takes leadership. He displays leadership. Uh, he takes pride in being a leader. He actually is a leader. And that, there is value in that. All that's right. Not, let's, uh, no question hey. about it. I mean, there's, there, I don't think there's anything you can say about the guy that's not exemplary. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's just that's that's who he is. And you want guys like that on your team. And he's, no and he's, isn't he about 28, 28 years old? Yep. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. If you like basketball, the John Krasinski Show will be live tonight, Friday night, September 30th, 7 o'clock at Headflyer Brewing in Northeast. A great place. It'll be a blast. Dane Moore is also going to join us to talk about the very interesting Timberwolves. Uh, let's get to the medical stuff. We've already talked about the injuries, and 
you know, basically we all agreed that most of the problems they had this year were injury related. Do you just say, okay, this didn't, our medical staff did not get it done this year, blow it up, start over. Do you, do, do you ascribe it somewhat to luck? Uh, but there were some things here. Lavelle and I have talked about this off the air, you know, Sonny Gray repeated hamstring injuries. Uh, you know, Trevor Larnick, you know, they give him uh, a timetable to come back after his injury. And he, he, after the surgery, he goes, hold it. That's a timetable for somebody who wants to walk their dogs, not somebody who wants to hit an 100-mile-hour fastball. I'm not mm-hmm. even anywhere close to that. Uh, they have injury after injury. They had trouble keeping Buxton on the field. So, once again, we'll start with Roy because you've been in a big league clubhouse. You've had to maintain your body. Is it – do you put it on the medical staff or is that too simplistic? I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that question, Jim. I don't know how you do put it on the medical staff unless you're, uh, unless they're um, clearly not trying to uh, address uh, how to stay away from pulled, you know, pulled muscles and you know, uh, hamstrings, obliques, uh, you know, what it, whatever it is. I mean, you can't. You can't prevent a, uh, a wrist injury, you know, with with um, early on with with uh, this is how you this is how you make sure you don't you don't rip up a tendon in your wrist. I mean, you can't do that. Um, I I don't you can't fix in advance. You you can't prevent Byron Buxton's knee uh, you know knee issue. So um, as far as the as far as the pitchers go, I mean, as far as like Sonny Gray's hamstring, well, if they're, if he's never had a problem with a hamstring, you know, if he doesn't have chronic hamstring uh, issues, then that happened this year and you say, well, okay, we, we thought that the normal um, spring training and pre, uh, in between start preparation for keeping your body in shape, uh, we, you know, we, here's what we did. We thought it was good. We didn't know they had hamstring issues and now, now he does, and now we have to, you know, address that, you know, better maybe in between, you know, the first time he got it and the third. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. So much to me depends on the player doing the work and the, the player knowing his body and saying I could have an issue here or there. But um, I, I think it's really hard. Maybe you guys have a better idea. I, I don't. I didn't spend a lot of time in the training room. I didn't spend a lot of time with doing any of that stuff. I, I did my own my own prep and, and uh, I think it it ought to be on the player to know his body and say I've got to make sure that I'm that I'm doing everything I can in terms of the stretching and 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 strengthening muscles that can be injured in your in your profession uh, that you can and, and to the degree that the medical guys aren't providing or this or the weight mm-hmm. staff or the stretching staff or whatever I mean to the degree that they're not providing that kind of um, those, those kinds of exercises and those kinds of regimens and, and all that kind of stuff, then okay, I think I guess you look at them. But you know, I, I look at the injuries that they had, and we can say, you know, like Lavelle's right. I mean, they they knew Paddock had elbow trouble. Well, there's nothing medical staff can do. But if you're taking a shot on somebody that's got elbow problems, then you know that's that's the shot you're taking, not the medical staff. But some of this. You know, and I have talked with shoulder docs a lot. Dan Buss is one of the best shoulder guys uh, uh, in this uh, in this town or any other town, and he was the 
twins doctor for some time. And he, he told me one time, he said, you know, these elbow injuries ha- are come as a result of the back uh, or the, the uh, come as a result of the back of the shoulder not being strong enough for a pitching motion. Uh, and so the, the shoulder can't handle it and all the stress goes right to the ulnar uh, ligament and they blow that out. And it can be a little bit, you know, it can be a little bit vice versa too, that you can, you can hurt shoulders because they're just not, they're not strong enough and the little muscles in, in rotator cuff and others that can uh, support violent throwing, you know, pitch after pitch. Well, okay, then if a medical staff is not going to all the pitchers and saying, you have to build up these muscles, the endurance and strength of these muscles back here to keep your whole arm uh, healthy, well, then that's on them. But if a, if pitchers don't get that their livelihood is, you know, hanging from their you know, right shoulder and, and – <laughs> They need to do every seek out every possible way to not get hurt. And I think it's on the player. So it's you know long, winding, verbose way to say I I don't know, but I, it seems to me like the injuries you know they, there weren't a lot a lot of injuries that you could point to the medical staff and say how come you didn't prevent that I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is tr- it is tricky because we're not in these guys' bodies either. We don't we don't know what they're feeling. Um, all I know is this, is that, you know, you have injuries from blunt force trauma, like Buxton sliding in the second, or Royce Lewis colliding with a wall, or, you know, Kirilov de- dealing with that risk from last year, and the surgery didn't take well. But it's just head-scratching when, you know, someone like Sonny Gray pulls a hammy three times in a season, or Bailey Ober needs three months to come back from a groin injury, or Miguel Sano has knee surgery and is never seen again. You know, what, you know, that's when you're like, what's going on here? Uh, that's the confusing part. So, um, and I'm sure they're going to internally, they're going to look at everything they're doing to make sure they're putting these players in the right position to recover and be ready to contribute. But it just seems like there's so many. And then you throw in the COVID, uh, I think they had five or six guys went on COVID again uh, during the year too. And, you know, it's just part of the whole lack of continuity with that day, that daily lineup. But um you know, they, once again, the most IL stints in the American League and the most days missed um, in the American League, and you got to take out, you got to take a look at that and see if they're if they're missing something here. They have overhauled that medical staff within the last five six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hired Chris Camp from the Mayo Clinic, you know, to oversee athletic performance. Um, you know, this is a this is a job opening and they've been trying to fill for years and they were holding it open for one special person. And that was camp. And um, he's on board now and they're still having issues. So um, they, they have to look and see, um, you know, with all due respect to players and their bodies and, and being respectful of how hard it is to play the game and the wear and tear it, it does, you know, cause on bodies. Um, you know, the team still has to make sure they're putting those guys in the right spot to recover and be um, ready to contribute. Um, it's amazing. We're, we're in the era of rest and relaxation and sleep pods and and uh, and, and uh, not coming in early the next day and reporting the uh, spring training workouts later and later. 
you know, to try to preserve these guys. It seems like they're getting injured even more. You know, if we're we're babying pitchers or they're not pitching more than two times through the order. Um, you know, if they start getting close to 90 pitches. Alarms are going off in the bullpen. You know, they're they're taking guys out earlier and earlier in games and they're still breaking down. So I I just don't know. I don't have an answer for some of this. And, you know, the, the other complicating factor, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to table this discussion and return to it in coming weeks because I think it's, there's a really interesting aspect of this, and that is there doesn't seem to be any logical correlation between effort to stay healthy and the ability to stay healthy. I mean, Puckett never worked out in an offseason. <laughs> uh, he would come to spring training with a little extra belly, and he'd play his way into shape, and he never went on the disabled list. Uh, he ate fried foods every day. He ate bagels in the morning. He didn't ever put a protein shake in his body. And he was the most durable player we've ever seen until he got glaucoma. Uh, so they're, 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 it's not all purely logical, but we have a, we have a lot of stuff we can go down with that road with. Uh, we're also going to talk next week about Lavelle's working on a piece on the, the Minnesota's connection to Fort Myers, the devastation of Fort Myers, how it's affecting Guardy and a bunch of people down there. Uh, we will talk about more end-of-the-year stuff, uh, more roster stuff. For today, let's just get a, a, a final thought from each of the guys, and then we'll return to the big topics again next week. Another, another future topic, guys, Twins fan base. I want to talk about the nature of oh, the boy. Twins fan base. So <laughs> I, I, think that, I think you mo- both might have very interesting thoughts on that. And I hope my thoughts are considered interesting on that as well. For today, uh, final thought on anything you like. Oh, also, I keep interrupting myself. Uh, my music contribution. We haven't done a, a, a music roundtable here in a little while. If you have Hulu, check out McCartney 321. It's Paul McCartney, the guy who honeymooned with Roy Smalley. Uh, it's a great piece. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Paul McCartney in... Uh, the studio with the famous producer Rick Rubin just going through a bunch of different tracks and how they put it together and who played what and what the thought process was, what the creative process was, what the producing process was. It's fascinating, especially if you play an instrument like I do. But even if you don't, if you love the Beatles, if you love music, it's fascinating. All right. Final thought time. Let's start with Lavelle. Well, my final thought is going to be a musical uh, contribution. And you guys are going to get a kick out of this one. Um, Wednesday was my birthday. And so uh, we went out to dinner, went to a Japanese steakhouse in Woodbury uh, called Osaka and uh, had a great, uh, great meal. And then we stopped by a watering hole not far from where I live. And uh, they surprised me with a uh, local musician named Tim Mahoney, um, who's uh, well known in town. And he played a few songs. But then um, this group of people I and my friends I've known for many years presented me with a guitar. I, I now am an owner of a guitar. What is it? <laughs> Tell me what it is. It's just a, it's a Yamaha, you know. Um, acoustic? Not, acoustic guitar, yes. Yep, Yamaha and, makes good stuff. And so uh, I now have a guitar. I feel like I need to learn how to play now since I have one. So um, I may go on YouTube or something and look at some basic playing, and maybe I can get to a point where I can just play one chord and and, 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 and wing it that way. But now I'm a guitar owner. Well, next next time we're together, I'll I'll tell you how to get rolling on the guitar. It's actually not very hard. The great thing about guitar is, it's not hard to learn chords, and you don't have to learn many chords to be able to play songs. It's just you know, uh, 
being a shredder, uh, being somebody who played leads or, you know, mm-hmm. improvise, that's a completely different level, but it's just not hard to be somebody who can sit around and strum chords and play songs you like. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Here's a goofy, goofy thing too, is that uh, they autographed it. So now, even though I have a guitar, I feel guilty about playing it because I don't want to screw up the autograph. So I may have to go who buy uh, just my friends and they put some oh. stupid stuff on it. And oh, don't worry about it. Just, yeah. just play. Just, just all guitars look better with some scratches on it. So just start playing it. Okay. All right. All right. Roy, your final thought. Well, I'm with you on the McCartney deal only because my son told me about it some time ago and I have neglected to watch it. I'm kind of, I'm disappointed, but I will be watching, you know, my honeymoon partner, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to revisit that guy, story at some point. <laughs> the, the guy to whom uh, my wife said, "You know, this is really this is surreal because uh, I, I'm here on my uh, honeymoon with my brand new husband, and my whole life I dreamed I was going to be married to you." <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's the way our that's the way our marriage started. <laughs> Uh, already, I already knew that I was in second place. But uh, anyway, um, I, I have a baseball uh, final baseball thought more than more than uh, more music. I, I, we've talked about the bullpen. I really like the way the bullpen looks. I start start to look at uh, the potential starting rotation as well. The way Joe Ryan finished the season stronger than the way he began the season in terms of velocity, in terms of uh, uh, secondary pitches being, you know, being better. Uh, the way Bailey overpitched to the White Sox. Now, admittedly, the White Sox were junk. I mean, they, they yep. just bats. I think I've ever seen any club take against a pitcher. But he, but for that, Ober was really good. Um, Malley uh, is going to be uh, is going to be there. Uh, Sonny Gray potentially Kenta Maeda, and then you go through, like we've always talked about, you, say you just have to have people pushing to, to be in the, in the big leagues or pushing to be in the rotation. There's a lot of choices, um, you know, past, you know, the first uh, four or five guys. I know I'm leaving somebody out. but the first, Josh Winder. Uh, yeah, well, yeah uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's Winder. But, you know, if Maeda were, you know, to be able to come back, okay. You know, Maeda, Gray, Ober, uh, Ryan, Ryan. That's that's what'd pretty you, good. What do you uh, think about Louis Varland? Uh, and uh, I think Louis Varland's got a chance uh, as well. His uh, he just has to learn how to pitch in the big leagues. Uh, what I said on the broadcast uh, yesterday when he was pitching is, especially you know since he saw how Bailey over pitched to the White Sox, he's got to pitch just like that, right? Pitch inside. Mm-hmm pitch high and then let get let them flail away on on breaking balls away and he did a little bit of that um but uh not he didn't pitch to them as successfully with his fastball as i thought he could have but i thought he pitched very well and i love the fact that he throws mostly strikes and he throws them in about 14 seconds in between pitches i mean the whole yes. thing <laughs> I, I like the whole thing that whole package but my only point is you know the the guys they've got in the lineup the guys that uh, are potential, you know, Royce Lewis, Kirilov, uh, kinds of uh, kinds of folks. Uh, the bullpen that they have, the starting staff is going to be better. Is going to start the year better than it started uh, this past year. I, I I'm really optimistic. I mean, I, and depending, they, that doesn't mean they're not going to do something really big again in, in this offseason. So, 
um, I, I feel pretty good about the club right now. As bad as it, uh, as disappointing as it was, um, you know, it, everybody healthy next year, and I and I'm pretty optimistic about the club. I agree. I feel the same way, and that's why Twins fans hate me. <laughs> yeah. good stuff we'll get into the fan base we'll get into Fort Myers we'll get into more roster stuff it'll be really interesting talking about the potential outfields they could field and we'll get into more uh, about what Royce Lewis could be doing as well good good episode thanks for everything guys I appreciate it thanks for listening to talknorth.com everybody we'll talk to you next week